Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. I want to continue on with this, and in James chapter 1, um, take a look at a probably a, a pretty well-known passage, popular passage that we hear and see a lot in church and see what God wants to say from it. Amen. James chapter one. I think it's interesting in James. I don't think I have this verse loaded in there, but the first verse says, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an interesting way to announce yourself when you are literally the brother of Jesus. I mean, if I was the brother of Jesus, you better know that's going in my book. <laughs> you giving me a book, everybody's going to know. I hung out with the dude. I was there when he was in diapers. I grew up with him. I am the brother of Jesus. Now give me your attention. But he says, I was a bondservant. He says uh, uh, that I was a servant to God and to Jesus Christ. But getting on down to verse 2. Getting on down to verse two, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I know that we all wish that that verse said, my brethren, count it all joy when you come out of various trials (laughs) or when God keeps you from various trials. Right? It's amazing the amount of effort we spend and and the the amount of effort we invest really in avoiding things. Uh, Right after Christmas, our family, we went up to Maggie Valley, North Carolina. We were in the mountains for a week and uh, we were coming back and I had to, we had to come back down 75 right through Atlanta, Georgia. Now I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, my entire, you know, all but uh, five years of the first 18 years of my life, and the first five were in San Antonio, so that wasn't much better. Uh, but, you know, I know what it is to sit in traffic, and I know what it is to get stuck, and that's the worst feeling in the wor- world. I would rather be moving than get stuck. Now, I get that from my dad. And my dad would do this very irritating thing, going to school or anywhere for that matter. He wanted to just be moving. So we're on the interstate and you see, or back then we would listen to the radio and listen to the traffic report. And we knew exactly what exit or what street, uh, uh, you know, the slowdown was happening, are you going to get stuck? And so my dad would veer off, get off the exit. This is, you know, where you actually have to use the interstate around here. One of my best friends back in Texas, he asked me once when we moved here, uh, he said, what's the traffic like? (laughs) And I had never really given thought to it, but I said, there is none. Now, you guys might call it traffic. It's not traffic. <laughs> I, if you, I don't ever want to hear you complain about trying to get around Valdosta except maybe right around Christmas. I'll give you maybe the two weeks out from Christmas before and after. But other than that, you don't get to talk about traffic. You don't get to talk about getting stuck and none of that. But, but we would veer off and exit and uh, uh, and and we're going all these back roads and down these crazy roads. And, and I'm thinking if you would have just stayed on, we'd probably already be home by now. You are working harder to go around it than just go through it. But this is what we do spiritually. We invest so much effort in time in avoiding something that God wants to use to develop something. I said that we try to go around things that God has designed for us to go through. Not that he brought it, not that he caused the sickness, broke up the marriage or brought the tragedy, but there's development in the process. 
And so James words this really weird. This is, this is not, uh, you know, typically what you want to hear as a believer. As a believer, you know, we want to be promised a cushy life. As a believer, we want to be promised a life that, that uh, you know, is free of tragedy or free of, of interruptions uh, or distractions. We, we want this life. And so as we're talking about middle management, we're talking about our soul. That's where our soul really gets irked. I found that where I lose my joy, I lose my peace, I lose my patience, which by the way, are all fruits of the spirit, not fruits of the soul. If you don't get it in your spirit, your soul has no help. And you will result to going to the world for stuff you should be getting from a different place. We kind of talked about that a little bit with the woman at the well and, and the things that keep us chasing it rather than those things chasing us. We talked about the woman at the well and we, we saw that the well was in control of her joy and the well was in control of her peace and the well, and the well dictated when she was thirsty. The well dictated where she had to go to get it. The well dictated when she wanted to get it. The, the well dictated how, because she re- responded to Jesus and said, how are you going to get water? You don't even have anything to draw with. The well, whatever that is, we all have a well. We found out with her, her well was relationships. She had five husbands. The one that she was currently with wasn't, there was obviously a a pattern here. There was obviously an issue of her running to something that could never satisfy. So what does Jesus say? He says, I got some better water. And I can't tell you the, the, the responses I have gotten this week from a story I told about my wife drinking Dasani water. I, I, I know all, I know where it's bottled now. I know what is in it. I know who makes it. I, I know more about Dasani water than I ever cared to know. Last week, we, we went out to lunch and it was funny because I had to catch her up because she wasn't in here. She was serving with the kids. She's serving with the kids again this morning. And, and uh, so she wasn't even in here. Well, we go out to a restaurant after service and we're just there eating, minding our own business. And this about maybe 10 minutes in, uh, this couple comes around and they said, uh, the gentleman walks up and he says, excuse me, can I interest you in some Dasani water? And I said, excuse me? And my wife goes, oh, Dasani. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't really do it. She doesn't do that every time she hears the word Dasani. So anyways, they were in service that morning and just thought it'd be a funny practical joke. And, 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 and it was their first service. I didn't even, you know, know them. So at first I was like, what? And my wife is like, what's he talking about? And so I had to catch her up on the story. And then she gets on to me for the next 15 minutes of how I embellish everything. And I don't actually tell the truth. Whatever. Whatever. And so, you know, we learned about not the quantity of water, but the quality. And Jesus said, I've got water that it will spring up within you. So rather than you chasing after this thing, it'll come out of you. People will be coming to you for what you're going to everybody else for. And so we, we saw that, that we chase after things, we go after things. And when we have our joy misplaced or, or where we think our joy comes from, that's what we're talking about here, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. No, 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 James, you don't, you don't understand. I became a Christian, so I wouldn't have trials. He says, no, 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 count it all joy when you fall into, when you, when, when, when those, when those trials show up. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 16, you can keep your finger there in James, we'll come back to it. But in John chapter 16, we've all seen this reference as well. John chapter 16 and verse 33. Verse 33, he says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace, another fruit of the spirit. So now we've got joy, 
We've got peace and you could categorize them all here. You, you could put, you know, goodness and, and love and gentleness, faithfulness, it, it, all these things. You can try to find it in various places. But he says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, he says, in me, in me, in me, you may have peace. Then the very next word, he says, in again, in the world, you will have tribulation, but in me, you will have peace. But be of good cheer, be of good cheer. That sounds like joy. Be of good, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What he's telling us is our experience does not have to dictate what we actually have going on inside of us. What's going on around me doesn't have to be what's going on within me. And so I can be in the midst of a trial or I can be in the midst of a challenge. I can be in the midst of a struggle. I mean, here we are, you know, January is already about up. Can you believe it? I mean, we're already through the month of January in 2019. I mean, this is, it's getting quicker and quicker. It's going by faster and faster. We're already wrapped this thing up. And I'm sure somebody in this room has already uh, endured a trial. And as a pastor, I know of some that are in this room that have endured some things, been through some stuff, gotten some reports. Uh, 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 you know, maybe 2019 isn't off to the start you expected. I'm telling you right now, the trials, the tribulations, the challenges, the various things that we fall into don't dictate what's in me. And so I just have to have this resolute Res, this resolution, that's, that's what we call them, right? New Year's resolutions. You gotta have a resolution that says, no matter what I go through, it doesn't change me. No matter what I'm in, it doesn't change what's in me. I don't have to change what's in me based upon what I am in. What you are in determines what is in you. What you are in determines what is in you. Well, he says, in me, you will have peace. Then he follows up with in the world. But what he's saying is, is if you remain in me, connected to me, pursuing me, then regardless what the world throws out you, you can remain at peace. But it, it's determined by what I'm in. He says, count it all joy. Going back to James, my brethren, that's, that means you and I, he's talking to believers. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, when you go into them and, and, and what, how you go in many times can determine how you come out. How you go in. I just, I just want to, this year, no matter what comes my way, I'm keeping my joy up. That's where I'm at. Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. No matter what I go through, no matter what's taken away, no matter what's added to, no matter what comes, no matter what doesn't come, no matter what happens, I'm keeping my joy. I'm keeping my joy. But, but, but we live in a world and a culture that we attach our joy to so many things that can't produce it. Joy isn't happiness. We're not talking about an emotion. Joy can produce happiness. Joy can produce excitement, but it's not, it, it, it's not broken down to I'm just happy all the time. But think of all the things that we do for happiness. Just think of all the things that we do so that we can be joyful or be at peace. And, and this is the thing. There's always an exchange. There's always an exchange. And this is where the soul gets compromised is because we exchange things that compromise our soul. 
Because to get joy there, I have to give something up. For that to make me happy, for me to find peace in this scenario, I have to eliminate something. Something's going to be compromised. What's the cost? When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he came and he said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Essentially what he was saying was, how can I come be a part of your mission? How can I come and and, and, and be a part of, of what you're doing? You're doing some awesome things. And so this rich young ruler, uh, you know, he's coming with a desire to connect and be a part. And so Jesus says, well, keep the 10 commandments. You know, he said, yeah, I've done that since I was, I've kept those since I was a child. But then Jesus responds with, well, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Now he wasn't trying to make the rich young ruler a poor young ruler. He wasn't trying to take all his money. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't saying that if you have money, you can't worship me, serve me, be with me. It's not what he was saying at all. He was trying to find out what do you, what's the price you're willing to pay? What's the cost? And this is the thing about the rich young ruler was there was a cost involved either way. And the price that he paid in not following Jesus was far greater than the price that Jesus was asking You know, this year to, to receive joy that you've never experienced, to walk in peace that you've never seen, never felt, it's going to cost you something. But you have to determine that the price to get it is nothing in comparison to the price that I'll pay if I don't. So this year, the, the, the answer may not come materialistically. It may not come, uh, you know, it may not literally formulate in your hands. Uh, you know, it might not be on a budget analysis, a P&L report. Uh, it, it may not, you know, literally show up in your home or in your marriage or with your kids. But, but maybe sometimes what God is trying to do is in here. Right in here. Because he goes on to say, you count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse three, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Patience. What is God really interested in you producing? What, what is, what's he really looking for? What, what's the production level that God is really interested in? What, what does he uh, want as a return? You know, God is an investor. The Bible shows us this. Jesus told a parable of, a, of a, a tree that was in a vineyard, in a garden that wasn't producing anything for three years. And so the master of the vineyard, the owner of the vineyard, came and told the gardener, the manager of the vineyard, cut it down. I haven't seen anything with three years. It's just using up and taking up the ground. Get it out. That's investor talk. That, that's someone that is expecting a return on something. That is someone that will take a look at something and say, you know what? It's not quite effective anymore. It's not producing. You know, I, I notice a lot of Christians keep things in the ground that aren't effective producing, uh, doing anything for them in their lives. And it's taking up space that could be productive. We've got friends taking up space in our lives. Come on. We, we, we've got our habits We've got our desires. We, we've got all kinds of things that are using up space in ground that God sees valuable. God sees the, uh, uh, a harvest. God doesn't see just keeping things around because that's the way we've always done it. God doesn't see, uh, 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 you know, we, we, I don't want to be rude or mean or, or I don't want them to get mad or offended at me. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to have that conversation. No, God says, if it's not producing, pluck it up. Pluck it up. Because there's a cost involved. Well, it might cost me my relationship. Well, what you don't realize is that relationship that's harmful to you is costing you relationships that could be helpful to you. It's using up ground. And if you get that person out, I could bring this person in. 
That's the way God thinks. And so the gardener, what did he say? Give me one more year. I'll fertilize it. I'll take care of it. I'm going to get down. He said that I'll, I'll, I'll get down to the root of the problem, not just take care of the surface issue. But I'm going to get down in the dirt where the problem really is. And I'm going to dig it up. I'm going to fertilize it, which means I'm going to put some some junk, all, all, the, all the mess, all the garbage, all the stuff that I didn't like, God's gonna use it for his glory and, and we're gonna get down there into the soil, into the ground and because I changed the root, I'll get different fruit. But if we're not willing to do that, then we've gotta pluck it up. But what are we producing? He says, knowing that the testing of your faith, it costs you something. I love what Pastor Chris said a few weeks ago when he ministered. He said, we don't need to pray for life to get easier. We need to pray that we get better. That's powerful. Because when I go in the gym, I don't pray that it gets easier. I don't. My time is valuable. I don't have time to sit in here and, 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 and play around. If I'm in there uh, with all these sweaty, you know, crazy guys, you know, yelling and screaming and doing all the stuff that they do, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do something that's effective and productive and it's going to produce results. And if it doesn't, then I'm out. I don't got time to waste in there. And so I get in there and, and, and you know, I... I'm putting on stuff that I know that I can't do on my own. I'm taking on things and putting, I'm putting my body through, through stuff that, that is, is, you know, halfway through. I'm like, what the heck am I doing? I remember I did, I did CrossFit for, for three months back home, a friend or back in St. Augustine and, and had a friend that opened up a CrossFit gym. So really just because uh, he was my friend uh, and he gave me three months free, uh, uh, it's the only reason I did it. I would never pay for that kind of torture. You gotta be kidding me. I would never do that. And I remember, uh, you know, they always had the, the workout of the day, the wad, you know, all their CrossFit verbiage. It's a cult, I'm telling you. You don't want to stay far away. And then have it up on the board. And I'd walk in there and, and I, I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I'd walk in there, I'd make this noise. Oh God. It's leg day every day, you know. Oh. And finally, he just pointed it out one day. He said, you make that noise every time you walk in here and see that. He said, what do you want me to put up there? What do you want it to say that you don't make that noise? I mean, did you come here? <laughs> did you come in here to feel good? Yes. That's, that's what I'm talking about. 25 push-ups and I'm out of here. Let's bring it on. Or did you come in here to see results? Did you come in here to see some change? That's, that's what you hired me for. That's what you brought me on for. That's what I'm training you to do. And, and so, you know, I, I trained with Travis for a little while and, and he would ask me, how much can you do on this? How much can you curl? Uh, uh, 35 pounds. He gives me a 40 pounder. <laughs> 35 pounds. Why? Because he knows how to train. He knows what you think is just where we're starting, what you think you can do. We're going to push you past that. I've never had someone train me that, that I said 35 and he handed me a 20. I would fire him the first day. Afterwards, you want to go get a pizza and eat some donuts together? That's not the kind of trainer it, when you really want results, when you really want to see change, well, that's exactly what James is saying. The testing of your faith, faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. We don't want to put it through the testing and then we wonder why we can't trust it when we get in the trial. But the testing of my faith produces the testing of my faith produces the testing of my faith produces i've got to have the testing so i can develop the trusting and i know we 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 live in a society i was just talking with a friend of mine last night 
out with some family and, and, and just talking uh, about, you know, the culture we live in and we want things easier and faster and quicker than ever before. But when you do that, you compromise something. That's what I'm trying to help you see. You're going to compromise either way. You're going to, to pay a cost either way. The question is, what are you willing to compromise? You're going to fall into a trial and you're going to spend time avoiding it. You're going to spend time enduring it. You're going to spend time going around it or you're going to spend time going right on through it. And what God is saying here is that the, the trials that you will allow yourself to go through with his help, with his grace, with him backing you and with him, when you work out with the trainer, they're right there every step of the way. They don't abandon you. They don't walk away. They, they, especially when, you know, I might not need Travis to stand over on the first, uh, you know, six or seven uh, bench presses. But, you know, when, when we get to eight, nine and 10, those last three, that's where I need him the most. The closest I get, the more assistance I need. And I'm bent at the end on that last one where he started out with just a couple fingers, but now he's grabbing it a little more and I'm pushing with everything I've got. And if he lets go, it's crushing my throat, but he knows that I've got you. I'm here with you and I'm spent, but I know that I've done something that will produce a result when I need it. When I need, I've been tested. Now I can be trusted. And now I can help spot somebody else. I see someone else struggling and I can say, hey, I'm right here with you. I got this. I, we're, we're here. We're going to do this together. He doesn't do it for me. He does it with me. The Holy Spirit is not there to do it for you. He's there to do it with you. He's there to coach you along and say, we got this. This trial is nothing. It, it, it looks like it's all coming against you, but it's only an indication of the greatness that's on the inside of you. And if you only knew you got one more, you got, come on, push, push, push. You got this, push it through, push it through. And then you come out on the other side and you're thinking that, that was gonna stop me. That was gonna take me out. But it's how I go in. I count it all joy when I fall into. And you better believe I'm counting it joy when I come out. But see, I can't count joy when I avoid. No, then I look back and I say, what did I miss out on? I could have endured. What was God developing in me? I've, I've talked to friends of mine recently that are in seasons where it's difficult. I was talking to one of my best friends down in St. Augustine just a couple of weeks ago and the season that he's in here at the beginning of the year, reflecting on some things and just some challenges that have, have come up. And, and I said, look, you know, it may be possible you need to go this route. It may be that your season's up, but it also may be that God's trying to build and develop something in you that you're going to need later on. You've got to discern that. You've got to discern that. It's like I've been saying about last year or anything in your life for that matter. If you didn't like it, then just make it an ingredient because that's what God does. He makes all things work together for the good. Didn't like how it turned out? Then it must be pointing to something else. See, a lot of times what we think is the goal, God is saying it's not the goal. That's just gonna get you to the goal. He's got another plan in mind. God's ways are higher than our ways. And so I'm always trying to move myself to, God, I wanna think like you. I wanna see like you. And this is a perspective right here. To count it all joy, he's talking about perspective. That's what that means. This means, it doesn't mean that my situation changes necessarily. It means the way I see my situation changes, therefore I change. You know, the, your perspective changes you. We ministered a couple of Wednesday nights ago on worship and praise 
in the midst of problems. You know, Paul and Silas, they worshiped, they praised at the midnight hour after being beat, after being uh, 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 thrown into uh, uh uh, go over to Acts chapter 15. I don't know if I loaded this in there, Andre, but Acts chapter 15. After being thrown into a dungeon, after being put in prison, after obeying God, Acts chapter 15. Let me see if that was the one. I just saw this earlier. It was just. We'll find it. We'll find it. It's it's our perspective that changes. Worship doesn't change God. It changes us. I'll say that again. Worship doesn't change God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he was always capable of doing it. He was always capable of moving. He was always capable of showing up in our lives. But now it's changing my position and my ability to see him move in my life. And I didn't write it down, so it'll just have to come to me later. There in the book of Acts, Acts 17. Did you get that by the Holy Spirit or something? You in my office? You looking at my notes? Where are you looking at? I'm not trying to minister on, I'm not looking for Paul and Silas. No, that was an example. There's another example of disciples where they had been thrown in jail, they had been beaten. And their response was to, they, they literally left the jail cell worshiping and praising God. Acts chapter five, just came to me. Acts chapter five. Acts chapter five. Verse 40, Acts chapter five and verse 40. And they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Watch this. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The enemy does not have the power to stop you. The enemy does not have the power to, to, to thwart the plan of God in your life. But our response to these trials and our response to the afflictions and the challenges that come. And this is a real challenge. Their lives are on the line here. I mean, sometimes that's the case for us that it is a, a life or death situation, but then there's also things that we consider trials in our lives. It's not quite as dire. I'm not trying to make it, minimize it and, and, and say it's not important. It's important what, what, what you're going through, but, but their lives are on the line. They could have taken their heads off right there. Now look at verse one of chapter six. Now in those days, watch this, when the number of the disciples was multiplying. On the back end of pressure, on the back end of struggle, on the back end of persecution in the church. And that's what I love about the book of Acts is, is the church was growing and thriving in probably the greatest season of persecution the church has ever seen on this planet since its institution 2000 years ago. Don't tell me that, that uh, I understand what's taking place in New York this past week. I understand the, the heartache that brings and I understand, but we still live in a country that's far more 
free than what they ever experienced. We have no excuse. We're, you're in church today, freely worshiping God, freely lifting your hands, freely hearing the word preached unabandoned, freely coming together and fellowshipping in unity. They're hiding out, hoping people don't find out. I mean, we have more of these in our homes and on our shelves than we could ever read. And if it can thrive and grow in that scenario, and they came out, it said, rejoicing. Paul over in Philippians, he wrote, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice from a prison cell. He wrote the book of Philippians, one of four books that he wrote from a prison cell. Encouraging them to rejoice. Isn't that, isn't that just hard to swallow when someone that's going through something is encouraging you in your response? Man, if they can get up, I can get up. If they can raise their hands and I know what they're going through, I can raise my hands. If they can sing that loud, because many times I've found people's level of praise and level of worship is an indication of what God is bringing them through or has brought them through. Our praise and our worship uh, many times reflects the, the desperation and the need and the hunger. Somebody in this room, God has moved in your life in such a great way, you know you wouldn't be here today without him. That he's moved on your family, he's moved in your body, he's moved in your finance. Somebody in here today and our hands get lifted and then we, we sing and we shout and we glorify because we know of what God has done and I wouldn't be anywhere and my rejoicing and you can't make me be quiet, I won't calm down, I won't shut up because I know what my God is, and if you would rejoice like me, you might see him move like he's done in my life. Many times it's an indication of the hunger. Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter one. This is the year that we turn it around. We turn it around. God can turn it around. We used to sing a song. He would turn it around, turn my mourning into dancing, turn my sorrow into joy. Come on. This year, we're not allowing our emotions to control us any longer, but we're going to allow the fruit of the Spirit to produce in our life and produce emotions. My emotions obey me. I don't obey, obey my emotions. The world's not gonna tell me when to shout and when to be quiet. The world's not gonna dictate if I'm happy or if I'm sad. No, I've, I've got some different factors in my life. Philippians Chapter one, look at this in verse 12. Beginning with verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, this is Paul writing, again, from a jail cell, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. My gosh, this is why they write, count it all joy. This is why they're so adamant. That regardless of your scenario, regardless of your situation, you are still in control of your response. It doesn't matter how people treat you. How do you treat them? It's not what happens to you. It's how can God use it for his glory? He says that the things that have happened to me are actually furthering. The gospel is actually advancing because... I'm in this jail cell so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. What he's saying is, is I've been given influence to a group of people I may have never gotten to speak to because I'm here in this jail. 
Now, tell me if that's not a perspective change. Tell me if that's not seeing things with rose-colored lenses. Paul, you're sounding a little crazy. They could take your head off tomorrow. You could be dead, and I'm reading this letter right now. You could already be gone. We don't know. And so he's saying that it's actually advancing. Verse 14, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He's saying, because I'm doing what I'm doing in here, it's actually caused other brethren and other believers to step up their boldness in Christ. So I wonder what our, it's, it's, it's not just about us. It's not just about me going through this scenario. But there's somebody watching me, Pastor Chris. There's somebody that is watching how I'm going through this. And if I'm going down with my shoulders uh, hung, my head low, and, and, and my God looks about this big, and, and, and I'm talking about all the problems, but I'm not giving any praise to God or saying, man, then that's speaking to someone else. Somebody else is going through a scenario and they're looking for God to move in someone's life so they can say, if he'll do it for them, he will do it for me and I'll be that person. I'll endure the trial if it means that someone else gets to see the glory of God evident in their life. I'll do it. Absolutely. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I may be in this jail cell, but it's actually causing others to live with boldness. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add to affliction to my chains. Now he's saying, not only do I have uh, pressure from the outside, I've got people on the inside that are uh, preaching Christ out of self-gain. They're doing it because they uh, are doing it for their own vain glory and it's actually hindering the gospel. Talk about getting hit on all sides. I'm in jail. The people are opposing the gospel. And now we've got people that are preaching the gospel for selfish ambition. But look what he says. He goes on. Uh, Where are we? Verse 16. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition. Verse 17. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this, here it is again. I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. In case you didn't hear me the first time. No, I didn't stutter. No, I meant to say the word rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. I'm not losing my joy. I I have seen Christians become so discouraged by other Christians. And they talk about what people aren't doing. I would rather just focus on what we are doing. I, I know it's dire. I know it's dark. I'm not acting uh, like, like it, 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 and, and, and this is the thing. Have you ever been around someone that laughed at awkward times? Yeah, is that you? Have you ever been around someone that, you know, they find stuff funny that nobody else finds funny? Or is it, that, that's the way we should be. Hello. Uh, what are you laughing about? You just lost everything. (laughs) To God be the glory. I've heard people say, fake it till you make it. I don't know if it's necessarily being fake as much as it is being faithful. Because see, faithful people do it when they don't feel it. If you have to feel joy to be joyful, you don't have this joy. You don't have Paul's joy. You don't have in the bottom of the prison joy. You don't have chained uh, uh, hands and feet joy. You don't have back uh, bleeding wide open joy. You, you have a joy that is fleeting. You have a joy that the world produced. And guess what? Whatever they produce, they get to take away. If they get to dictate when you're happy, they'll get to dictate when you're mad and when you're sad and when you're angry and when you're fearful and when you're anxious. But God has a love and a joy and a peace that comes from somewhere else. So the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. 
The devil stole my joy. No, he stole your joy because you got it from him in the first place. Because the devil can't steal what doesn't belong to him. The devil can't steal your joy if you get your joy from the Holy Spirit. The, The Holy Spirit is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. That's what my Bible says. So we have to have a, 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 a resolute position. Last verse, Hebrews chapter 12. A resolute position, a steadfast position that my joy, if, if, if it comes from there, then it can be taken away. If it's given to me, whoever gives me joy controls my joy. You hearing what I'm saying? Look at this in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with what? Endurance. Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Watch this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What was joyful about the cross? What was joyful about torture? What was joyful about being punished for something you didn't do? What was joyful about being mocked? What was being, what was joy? But it wasn't the thing, the cross didn't produce the joy. It was the joy that was set, but he saw the result, right? Because my outlook many times determines my outcome. The way I see it determines what I end up having and what I end up seeing. And so Jesus, he wasn't excited about the cross. In fact, he was distressed about the cross. When he was in the garden, he even told God, his father, even though he came to this planet and had abandoned all to come down here, he actually said, look, look, you know, I know it's the last hour and I know we're we're right on. So this is it. If there's any other way, I'll take it. I'm just letting you know. If you if if in the 33 years while I've been down here, you've formulated a different plan, and the cross isn't necessary, and, and the stripes, and 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 the bloodshed, and, and the torture, and the punishment, and most importantly, the separation from you. If 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 there's any other thing you've come up with, now would be the time to let me know. But not my will. Your will. That's what we see in the garden. But now it's written on the back end of this thing. Worship team, if you come. It's written on the back end of this thing that he was joyful. Who for the joy was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. And now he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What could you endure this year? if we determine that my joy doesn't come from that? What could you go through? What could you tolerate? What could you handle? What, what, what could you, I mean, I know some people in this room, you've walked into 2019 and you said, I cannot have another year. Like, I can't have another, like, I can't have another, like, you fill in the blank. But what could you endure knowing that it's not where I find my joy? It's not where I find my identity. It's not where I find my peace. That's not where I get my love. That's not where I find my purpose. Come on, it's where are you looking? Where, where are you searching? What is it that you are depending on this year and you say, if this, this, and this happens, then I will have this. And is that equation lining up with the word of God? 
I have found people that have gotten exactly what they thought they needed to have joy and peace and they weren't joyful and peaceful. And they got everything just as they wanted it. And then on the flip side, I have found people that have gone through things that were the complete opposite of what they intended or believed would happen. But yet they were constant in their joy and constant in their peace. Not easily, they endured. They endured. Not carelessly, but as it was all said and done, they had a smile on their face. When it's all said and done, they had praise on their lips. When it's all said and done, they were encouraged. I'm still here. God is still working. Just stand up with me. Stand up with me. I don't know this morning what you've attached. Your peace. Maybe it's a dollar amount. Maybe it's a house. Maybe it's a family situation. I want you to give it to the Lord today. I want you to offer it to Him today as a sacrifice. Yeah, I know it'll cost you. I know, but it's going to cost you greater. It's going to cost you more. It's going to cost you more if we don't lay that down and we say, God, I'm going to you for my joy. I'm believing in you for my peace this year. I I, I believe that everything that I need comes from you. And I'm not relying on this, this, and this to bring me my peace and joy. Yeah, that'd be great if you did that. That'd be great if that showed up. That would be awesome if you could make this happen. But I will be joyful anyways when I fall into and when I come out. When it's coming upon me, when it's coming off of me. When I'm going through it or if I've already come out of it and coming to it. I thank you, Father, that I will live with joy. You gotta have a resolve. Be resolute. Come on, with every hand lifted. Every hand lifted. Offer it to Him today. Come on. You lift your hands out of surrender. You lift your hands out of out of saying, God, here it is. This is yours. I'm vulnerable, but I'm handing it over to you. I don't know the way. I don't know the answer. But I'm not allowing myself to go through this year expecting that to bring me something it cannot bring. And give it to Him. Give it to Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.